0: I grew up in a place called the Golden Ghetto, where people sang Hatik va in the swept streets, celebrating another war won in the homeland. As children, we were told our superior Jewish spirit would lift us up if we were willing to try. Look around you, everyone said. See how wealthy we are? Back then, I believed this, but now I see the story differently. I see rows of modest homes. The interior is often dim, with washed linoleum floors and heavy curtains hanging. On Fridays at sundown in the summertime, when the windows were lifted, we could hear sung prayers spooling through the air, the melodies merging with ours as we too blessed our bounty, tearing into the halla's buttery braid. At the head of the table, my father carved a kosher bird, cooked in a garland of onions and coins of carrots flashing orange and floating in the broth. When I was eight years old, I began to sense that the golden ghetto and our supposedly superior Jewish spirit were more wish than fact. I knew, for instance, that I could be kidnapped. I knew every bone was breakable. I put this information in some cut-off corner of my mind. What I wanted was a world I could wade in, some sort of perpetual summer. In such a season, the streets deserted in the heat, sun drenched and silent, I could follow the path of an ant for hours, crouching on the baking curb while watching the insect zig and zag, the black bead of its body ascending a stem, then dropping into the open cup of a wayward poppy rooted in the cracked concrete. As I remember it, In those afternoons, I was often alone on the street, at the peak of the summer heat, when people drew their blinds so the inside of almost every home was submerged in shadow, as if sunk to the bottom of the sea, the brilliant white light visible only as it seeped between the slatted blinds and spread across the sills like oil. Once the sun set, our neighbors emerged, the children in their pressed shorts, The women sitting on the stoops, a kerchief tied around the curlers in their hair. The husbands dragging the coiled hose from its reel and then the sudden spray drenching the parched ground, puddling on the scorched surface before slowly sinking in. For me, the ghetto gardens tell the story of this place. All the hedges trimmed, every flower staked and noosed at its neck. Our streets were sparse, with hardly any trees the town's Holocaust survivors, and there were many, old and bent-backed, frightened by all that branching, seeing in a single sapling, quickly yanked from its socket, the huge forests they'd hid in, escaping Hitler's grip. In those forests, they said, towering larches had cross-hatched the sky, making scraping sounds when the wind blew. The ghetto's grandparents had seen vipers living in the shadows cast by trees, and had known animals with too many teeth use the ewes for cover and for camouflage. Our ninety-year-old neighbor, Mr. Eller, said he had seen people hung from low branches, their necks snapped in a second, the tongue taking longer to turn blue.